if you if you ever do, it's in the if bottom. you ever do it, sir, you're right. Hey, you just right. need the plug in. That's actually when it comes to full lengths, that's not a bad looking one. I'm, no, not a fan. I'm normally not a fan of full lengths, but that one's kind of minimalist from a full length point of view. Yeah, I kind of I like this one. Plus, it's got the spot for the cube lights. Let me tell you, shipping sucks right now because. I'm trying to ship this tire carrier I built out to the guy in Arizona who's going to test this demo for me. $300. Well, yeah, fuel's up to freaking 419 here uh, in Chicago. You need to find somebody local. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Jesus Christ. Because every place I look, I'm like, half of the, if I sell it, half of it will be shipping. The other half may be, be me building it. Uh, give it a little time, a couple of years. It'll, everything will straighten out. Looking at you're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, And I want to take a moment to thank each and every one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Old Steve Martin joke. Uh, (laughs) For uh, helping us reach 35,000 downloads in the month month of (laughs) of February. So February, right? This is March. So 35,000. And I calculated that if we had had those uh, three extra days in February, you know, like if it was a 31-day month, we would have had 15 million downloads. No, I think it was like uh, 37,000. So uh, great job to everybody that's remembering to get out there and uh, tell people about the Jeep Talk Show. Remember, keep using that uh, pound Jeep Talk Show on all of your social media posts. Hey, are you new to the roundtable? Perhaps new to the Jeep Talk Show? Well, welcome. The roundtable is listeners like you that connect with us on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. You don't have to be invited. You just need the Zoom meeting link and the password. Everyone is invited because everyone has an opinion or something to share. <laughs> I was thinking about Chuck last week. To get, <laughs> to get the meeting invite information, subscribe to our newsletter at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And you guys should be sending out the invites to your buddies and friends, and especially if you've got a Toyota, a Prius, or especially one of those really sexy new renegades. We now joined the Zoom meeting, which is already in progress. Please keep in mind that you are about what you're about to hear is completely unrehearsed, as is this reading. The opinions may be strong and may or may not reflect the opinion of the Jeep Talk Show. Good evening, Zoom people, knights of the Zoom roundtable. Hello. Howdy. Oh, and I forgot. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't uh, mention this last week. Remember, please say your name and your general location, not grid coordinates. We don't want any, any ordinance dropped on you. Uh, just your general location so people will be able to associate uh, who you are and where you're located in the country before the, the first time that you make a comment. So not not every time, but that's okay if you got to. John. <laughs> <laughs> Always remember. So we were talking about uh, Motobilt fenders, uh, and um, uh, actually in the Zoom meeting, you'll re- you'll see that uh, John has actually uh, renamed his uh, Zoom name to Mister Motobilt because he's going to have <laughs> almost a complete Motobilt Jeep after he's done. I'm not saying that I renamed it to Mister Motobilt, but well, I mean, we don't want to point fingers. It still <laughs> it still makes good sense. <laughs> 
it's good stuff I mean, what are you gonna, it is it is really nice stuff and uh i'd like to know if uh if uh, uh rob uh, bender uh actually uh uh, welds all the stuff because everything I got was the welds on it were just gorgeous. I know nothing about welding. I just know what looks good, and it was nice and flat and looked like it was uh, put on by a machine. Which I guess uh, that's kind of the way Rob welds things. So I don't know. Maybe there's somebody else over there. We need to get somebody on from Motobuilt and ask them uh, uh, <laughs> who's the people that do the welding over there because they just do a great job. We'll be on. Cage or go ahead, Larry. I would say they cage it. They're uh, building on their. They they show on their site. That's really good looking cage for the Jeep as well. Are, are you watching the? Are you talking about the one where they did the frame and everything? That the and I think they're getting ready to drop the motor in it. Uh, I think, I think so. Oh God, that is gorgeous. Because yeah, I like how they actually curve some of the bars a little bit versus just a bunch of straight tubes. It's got a little contour, so it looks nice. It has some personality. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's uh, John from Central Texas, but uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Larry from Central Missouri or whatever. Yes, uh, sorry, but uh, no the the builds. If you go to the page or whatever, they've got a whole bunch of uh, special builds, like the black JK, and they got the YJ they're working on now, and it's it's pretty impressive. Some of the like when they attack it, they're not like, can I just bolt on something here? It's like, can I cut the whole back of the frame off and rebuild the whole section? Like this. That's some pretty serious stuff they do. Yeah, there is no half-assing over there. It's all whole-assing. So it is uh, – uh, that didn't sound right. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's really fun watching that stuff on uh, on uh, the Instagram. All right, we have, a, we have a few questions. We have a few questions left over from uh, last week. I'm just going to go with, through the dog barking. My uh, youngest daughter just got home, so the, the dog is happy to see her. Uh, anyway, uh, air pressure. We've talked a lot about airing down in the past, but what factors do you use to determine the street pressure you want to run your non-factory tires at? I mean, you can't just look at the door jam and get the tire pressure if you've changed tires, right? Exactly. I've heard a couple of methods that you can use for that uh, to get it set at least right every once in a while. There's the the chalk on the ground method yep. where you can check the, the footprint on it or whatever to see if it goes all the way, but that's it's not the same for every tire right larry i know we were talking about the patagonias right and they're not a they don't need to have a flat across the bottom tread there's there's got to be a little crown or something to it or something right. like that so this is larry from, from uh, missouri <laughs> so yeah the patagonias are supposed to be crowned but that's not how i run them i i, I chalked them so they're fairly flat and i guess it really depends too of, of where i'm going so if i've got a lot of highway distance to run i run them a little little uh more air pressure trying to squeeze every out every little drop of miles out of that gas yeah what do you mean by crowning so the patagonies are supposed to so a lot of tires are flat on the top profile and the patagonies are typically supposed to be a, a little radius on top if you will that's how they're designed so raised at the at the edges is that what the crown is? At the is? center, yeah, at the center. For years to come. Nope. Somebody's listening to the state. <laughs> but but no, I I chalked them so that they're fairly uh, flat profile across the top. And, How'd you do that chalking, Larry? Did you did you put like uh, just like a bunch of chalk on the tread and then go over cardboard or what? How'd, so how'd what you... I did is I is I just uh, a couple. Uh, heavy lines across it and then 
basically just rolled down the street, didn't do any turns or anything, and just kind of see what kind of profile I'm getting. And it shows pretty fast. What did it end up being, about 35, 32, somewhere around there? Yeah, I run 36 in, in mine, but I'll squeeze it closer to 40 if, like, when I drove down to Texas, I, I'll, I'll put a little bit more air in it just because, you know, a harder tire, get, get a little better gas mileage. Right. So, um, the, uh, and, it, and, and I think we, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you need to be, uh, you need to understand that this is different for every tire manufacturer because not all the tires, uh, the models are made the same way. I mean, you have some with soft compounds, some with hard compound. Uh, it, they, it really depends on the, the, the tire. Uh, and it could, Absolutely. it could be more than just the brand of the tire as well. But it, so doing this chalk test and learning about how the tire works on your vehicle, I think is very important. And your vehicle is uh, the key on that, right? How much does it weigh? What's, right. All that is going to kind of come into play. I mean, I run similar to like Larry. I run 35 of those, those Nittos. Um, but I chalked them flat. Like I, I try not to get anything because they're not like the Patagonia. But everything I've read, you want them to be flat when they're going down. So my uh, trail grapplers, I'm, I'm running them at 35. They're 37 inch tires too. I guess I don't know if the size really plays a huge amount into the pressure. I would pressure you're running. I would I would think so. I mean, it's going to change the weight of the tire, and you would think that it would also change how the tire uh, is shaped based on the weight that's put on it. Actually, I bet you the 37, I bet you really have to air those 37s down on the trail to get uh, any kind of uh, uh, grip out of them because of you got so much tire there. Just guessing. Well, I, well, I didn't, uh, so I, I'm not running beadlocks, so I was a little nervous about going down first time out, so I kind of kept it a little conservative sure so i, I put them at about 18 to 20 last time i went out and i was getting some pretty good sidewalks <clears throat> i mean i was getting not as good as i was getting the toyos but i was running them down around 13 I, I can get them at 13 psi with no bead locks and i'd still feel very comfortable well you'll um, be able to pop that tire on back on the bead with uh, that power tank won't you you can and it, it has the ability to i don't know if it's universal like it, it may if it's too far off i don't know if it can but you know. right um, yeah, I that's had a pretty stiff sidewall anyway on a donut. But the Nittos? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a pretty stiff sidewall, so that was my concern. I was like, man, you gotta air a lot to be able to get the wrap, but I'm, it's pretty good. I mean, like when I was I was coming up on a rock even with eighteen and that front tire, you could see it really spreading out like it was grabbing the rock really good, you know, which is kind of what you're wanting to see. Um again, not as good as my Toyos, thirty fives, but I was running them all the way down to 13 so you know you were getting quite a bit of spread but i'm going to try to go down a little bit less next time i'm out there well you'll have the power tank with you that's what i was thinking that's why i was asking you about that yeah by the way getting that thing filled up if you're in the central texas area be careful of the paintball shops i had a paintball shop try to charge me 60 dollars to fill that thing Ooh, Found oh, a, uh, they really got uh, some balls yeah. Found a place called Alamo Gas or Smelting Gases or something down in Austin. Fifteen bucks. Oh, that's a good price. Yeah. yeah so, say any of the welder supplies should be able to fill you up on that. Well, you got to be careful looking at the welding supply places because a lot of them don't want to fill up on the spot. Like they've got like a, a yard or something that does all their fills. So they'll only exchange or they'll take your tank and they'll go fill it up and give it back to you. But I'm not so good about giving them an expensive power tank and no sure. some yard or whatever so you gotta gotta be careful i went through about three or four welding shops 
before I found one that did the local on-site fills. So mm. it was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be to, to get a spot for it. Like yeah, said, Wendy, Wendy ran into that with her power tank up here. Uh, the first couple of shops, uh, like air gas and stuff, she called. They wouldn't, one wouldn't fill it at all, and the other would only hang on to it till they did a fill session, uh, like at the end of the week or whenever they filled all their regular bottles, and then she could go back and pick it up. Right. So, but I mean, calling around enough, I eventually found one, and it's not, it's downtown Austin, so unfortunately, you got to go into downtown Austin, but that's, you know, 30-minute drive or whatever, it's not too bad. Well, it will be. bucks is pretty good. Yeah, it will be whenever uh, uh, fuel gets up to be five dollars a gallon. <laughs> yeah, I have to start running true. off of CO two. <laughs> well, I might change the way I put air on my tires after I fill up or something. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Go with uh, hard uh, hard plastic instead of rubber. <laughs> well, something fuel economy at seventy five psi. Yeah. So yeah, was uh, we were filling up. Tony was the first Texas event that we kind of went out there where we met up with NB Trail Team 6 out right, there. Right, right. Um, at the end of the day, I went over there, and you remember my friend Mike had that little purplish-looking TJ? Yeah. So he had, I think it was 33s on it, and he was putting air in it. He had a broken air gauge that he was trying to use. Oh, no. And his wife was going around there, she's putting that air in it, putting air in it. And I told her, I was like, I checked it with mine, and it was like an 80. Oh, goodness, that would have been I loud. Said, hey, man, I think, you're, uh, I think you're about to blow these things up or whatever. He's like, no, 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 it's only like 20. And he kept throwing the other. Well, your air gauge must be messed I'm like, mine's messed up? I'm <laughs> so we grabbed another third air gauge and checked it out. And he, one of them it went pegged. Have you ever those round gauges you put on there? Yeah. It went all the way over and pegged on the other side. <laughs> That's not good. No, you can actually it get injured with those things popping. Uh, I, I've never seen a tire pop. I mean, uh, the the drunk next door neighbor at my uh, my parents' house once was filling up a bicycle tire on a uh, with an air compressor, and I guess he had had a, a few too many beers. That thing went off like a shotgun. Oh my god, I, it was loud. And that was just a bicycle tire. I actually was near YJ when uh, that was on fully engulfed in flames, and I was just getting out of my car, foot hitting the ground when the first tire went. Then the next three went off in quick succession. Tell you what, that's. You've never heard anything to your tires exploding like that. So sad. Never. It's like crazy. Throwing aerosol cans into a campfire when nobody's looking. <laughs> <laughs> kind of boom. All right. Anybody else uh, got any air pressure uh, tire information, stories? Uh? You know, this is Steve from uh, outside Chicago. I'm I'm running BFG 35, inch, 35, 12 and a half BFG all terrains. And I'm running about 37. Basically, I just talked with everybody else that did all the kind of research on it and that's you know for your all terrain is pretty basic it's nothing like the patagonias or anything we have to be concerned about the, the way they were designed they're pretty much typical when, tire. when you go off road what do you air down to oh uh, i usually take her down about 17 yeah i think uh with the uh the nixon uh uh, Rodians that I have, uh, the MTX Rodians. I uh, I do 14, and that's because, and I need to I need to do this my, myself because I'm going by what I learned when I went out on the uh, the Nexon Trail ride on the uh, Gold Mountain, and actually where I, I met Wendy, our uh, my co-host, uh, and uh, they were running uh, 30 um, yeah 37s, and I got 35s, and they were running uh, running the tires at 14 psi off road, and I just went with that. I figured that was uh, that would be at least close enough. 
Uh, but I could probably go down. I'm thinking I could probably go down a little bit more with the 35s. But I'm too chicken to drop down below 17. I'm just afraid yeah. I'm going to bust a beat. I haven't had any problem so with 14. I've accidentally left running late for a meet, so I screwed the deflators in and then caught up with the group. And by the time I took them out, I had a couple of them over 10 and below. <laughs> they, never, they never blew off. Trust me, it was, uh, it was clinch time. Well, it had to go with this? Yes, sir. It has a lot to do with uh, the what the natural width of the inside of the tire is and what the width of the wheel that you've got it mounted on. I learned that uh, by uh, from Don over at the uh, the Gold Mountain uh, Nexon event. Uh, he told me to actually measure the, the tire at rest, you know, not mounted on a wheel uh, from the inside uh, bead to the uh, outside bead or bead to bead, I guess it would be. And uh, he goes, that's the size wheel that you want to get or at least something close to it. And then you'll have less of a, 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 a problem with it popping the bead. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. You're still Did running anybody the factory run? wheels, right? What was that, John? Did you still run the factory wheels on your uh, Gladiator, right? Yeah, I am. I just couldn't make up my mind. And also, too, I just couldn't see spending $350 a wheel. Well, they're, uh, I was just trying to remember what the factory width, because I know they're a little bit more narrow than most of the aftermarket, right? They're oh, they're seven size. and a half. Seven and, and a half. half. Yeah. Seven and a half. That's right. Yeah. I went up to nine and a half, so my 35s. Yeah. yeah that's, went, that's where I'd like to be, either nine or nine and a half. Well, when I bought my wheels, it was more about the offset I was concerned about for rubbing. That's why I didn't stay with the stock rims. I could have stayed with them, but then on the JL, at least, I don't know how about the GTs, but there was, there was a lot of potential to rub if you're searing hard. Yeah, JKs are the same thing. If you don't, the backspace on the factory wheel, if you went with like a 35 or higher, you. You either needed to run like wheel spacers or something like that to push it out a little bit. Um, so that's that was another driver for the aftermarket wheels for me. So on the the uh, the the JT the Gladiator, I actually watched a uh, was it TFL Trucks or uh, T? Yeah, you know, I think it is TFL Trucks a video where they had a 2020 Jeep Gladiator and they actually bought the um, spare tire wheels. So the same. Uh, a wheel that comes uh, underneath on the spare tire, which they're also seven and a half. Uh, they bought a set of uh, four of those and mounted those uh, a 35, 12 and a half by 15s, uh, I'm sorry, by 17s on those wheels. So I went, well, if they didn't have to do spacers or anything to uh, fit that 35 by 12 and a half on there and it's not rubbing, then I should be fine with the stock ones because they're the same, same uh, width and height. And yeah, I mean, I haven't had a, a bit of a problem with it. Uh, obviously, you're not going to have too much of a problem on road, except for so, some tight turns. Uh, and I haven't had a problem, and uh, certainly didn't have any problem off road. So, something we've been talking about in the Discord is anybody looking at buying the monster valves for deflating? So when you air down, it's fast. Or they're uh, they're definitely on my list, but not for these wheels. So I'm also looking at some Raceline beadlocks as a kind of a next plan to go when i upgraded the race line beadlocks i plan on going with the monster valves yeah see i've got a, uh, a stem puller that works real well so I, it's one of those things that'd be nice to have but i got other priorities well, the, uh, i know terraflex makes that set up to where it's got a deflator built in so that so you got your normal your normal stem and you got the deflator all built in it's got looks like a pretty nice setup it's pricey though Oh yeah, it all so is. It all is. And you got to drill and tap your wheels for the the second round. Right. So, but you know, I got the deflator I use is the one 
from ARB. I think it's a copy of another one anyway, but <laughs> it removes the core of the trainer the valve. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. stem. Yeah, it pulls that out, and then it, it deflates pretty fast. I've never had an issue with with the speed of deflating or anything like that. It just, it, it just, I mean, when you when you got the system, you kind of want to get all the components to make the system run optimal, right? So it's got the power tank, master monster valves, help it run at its max potential. Kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah. That's I have a valve core wrench in with the air compressor. I just pulled the valve core, jumped to 12 or whatever, and put it back in. Test it. That's kind yeah. of what that, uh, that deflator I have does, right? I mean, yeah. you screw yeah. it on, you kind of back out the core of the valve, and then just kind of, it just got the gauge on it so you can kind of be a little more precise. And Right. On. Yeah, you, you probably have been knelt down next to a tire checking, you know, oops. So, but I do know that my KO2s were running 14 PSI, so... Yeah, 14 on a, on a non B block is about as low. 13, 14 is kind of the lowest I would want to go on that one. But, Tony, did you talk to those Nexons when you aired them back up to, to run at your street pusher? Uh, sorry, what was it again? But did you chalk yours? Like, no, I haven't uh, chalked them. Nah, I just uh, I run them about uh, uh, 36, 37 PSI and uh, on the road and uh, 14. I have uh, tire deflators that I bought them set. Uh, to 14 psi so i just screw them on and they go down to 14 and at least the 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 tire sensors the pressure sensors in the tires uh read pretty close to that 14 so um i like that i like it uh, that a lot better than having to remove the stem that's a, another thing you still run the tpms sensors and stuff then yeah I, I had mine pulled like i don't have any in mine i don't have any alarms in my dash either i got that erased yeah, well, I, I reset the um, the PSI uh, for the uh, for the alarms. I mean, I, it shows an alarm while I'm off road, but it, uh, that's you know I got other things to look at besides <laughs> when I'm off road to, to worry about what's on the the display. When I first swapped them out with the aftermarket wheels and tires, I had a lot of problem with the I guess they Bluetooth the system or whatever, and I was having a lot of issues where one would just drop off, and so I was constantly fighting that. So eventually, I just took them out. Right, I'm, I'm done with them. So, I mean, I check my tire pressure enough because of off-road trips. I don't. I'm not too concerned about it. Nah, it's just new, and I'm and I may have problems with them uh, in the future, but uh, I'm not overly concerned about it right now. They work. It's it's kind of nice. Hey, so this is uh this is George from Iowa. I just got my XJ about a month ago, so I'm still kind of learning everything. Uh, when you guys run your your power tanks with the CO2 and you you air back up again. Do you guys notice any difference in on-road performance with the mixture of CO2 and, and air in the tank uh, tires? What's a power tank? <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have, to, I'd have to defer to Bob to see if, if Wendy's noticed. I, I haven't got a chance to use mine yet, so I've uh, just, just now got it. So I, I haven't noticed, obviously. All, all John's been using his power tank for is carbonating his uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I... I've filled up the pickup, we filled up her rig, we filled up both Jeeps, um, and really, no, none. I was a little curious with the whole start of CO2, if when the tire got hot, how much, if the pressure would go up enough to be anything you'd notice or affect the tire, and we haven't noticed that it has. What about cold, Bob? 
you know, in the mornings when the, when the treasure drops, that's almost when everybody gets the alarms and everything else. Oh, yeah. You get that same kind of drop with CO2. I know when we got super cold, when we had, uh, uh, we put a little air in her tire. She, her, she had to check her tires. But no, nothing, nothing unusual. But the Jeep, if I'm taking it out, it's, it doesn't have to be a mess. It just DJ doesn't. But I, um, we air up and down. So it wouldn't be something we notice. And the pickup is kind of a bad judge. For whatever reason, my Camry does it, my Tundra does it, and other people notice it. But when it gets real cold, the wheel loses air pressure. It's, for whatever reason, it's something that's going to I never had it on the vehicle before I had the Toyotas. Um, and I've replaced all the stems, replaced tires. It just, they just want to lose a little air when it gets real cold. Well, you know, there's, uh, and you see this in uh, in balloons, like, you know, the high altitude balloons, They uh, the higher they go, the less pressure there is. And also, too, um, the the density cool the density of the uh, air inside the balloon uh, gets smaller, but ultimately the air pressure makes that balloon really really big. So, and, and I'm just guessing on this based on that type of information that if you have a, <clears throat> a cold front comes through, the uh, the air pressure generally goes down and the temperatures go down, so that everything gets a little closer together. The air molecules get a little closer together in that uh, that tire, so it's going to go low, but during the summertime, you generally don't have that issue because it's hot outside and uh, the uh, usually in high air pressure. Uh, you know, high, uh, high at least down here during the summertime, uh, the high high pressure air uh, is is generally generally what uh, rules the weather uh, in Southeast Texas during the summer. So let's go to our next question: favorite terrain to wheel in. What do you look for in a trail system when planning a trip? So. My favorites are forests. I like just going through the forest and yeah. kind of scenery. It's got some, it's got some rocks to it. It's got a little bit of mud, although not a lot. I get kind of bored being caught out in open flatland. It's just not much to see. It's kind of like driving through Nebraska, right? It gets a little boring after a while. Sure, sure, it makes sense. And if it's a summer day, then you want some shade here and there. It's uh, it's a night. It's good to have a good-looking terrain that you're going through, and if it can go up a little high, so you can see down on things, and maybe go down a little low and see up high, uh, looking up at, at things that are very tall. I mean, that was kind of the the really the the vista for uh, Gold Mountain. That was just probably the most beautiful place that I've ever wheeled there at uh, um, Big Bear Lake, uh, California. Yeah, I did the Cohosi Lake Trail up in Colorado back in '98. That was a lot of fun. Also, I did Alaska on my honeymoon. They had Jeeps to rent. Although we didn't, I don't think we ever moved the transfer cases into four wheel, but it was still some incredible terrain just going through, you know, just that wilderness. I like the wilderness roads, forest roads type stuff as well, but recently I've been really liking the, uh, the West Coast style terrain, like around Big Bear, but like Moab, desert style. I like the, uh, the rock runs, less chance of running into mud, and that's always nice. But uh, I love the mountains. I, I love Colorado. I think the only thing, I'm not the biggest fan of shelf roads, which is pretty much all most of the trails, um, but the view is worth it, right? So the view kind of trumps my, uh, my hesitation. Um, so if I'm looking for a system, though, I want to find something that's got more than just like one big trail that's going to be a big giant clog, right? 
unless it's a Rubicon. But so I want several trails you can go exploring on with diff various difficulties depending on the time of the day. And, uh, you know, I tend to try to use Gaia. So looking for GPX files and stuff that are stored everywhere and kind of download the detailed maps and, and stuff like that. There's a lot of good trail books in various areas, especially in Colorado. There's a split book we bought that's really good by breaking the trails down by mile marker. So even if you don't have GPS or anything else, you can just hit that trip meter in your vehicle that says, you know, from this starting point, and then it counts it off at different areas where you go and tells you what you're going to see and everything. And so there's some really good books out there that uh, have helped. It's trail guides and stuff like that. So is I kind of was all of them. Is that the fun tricks that you're talking about, Mr. Moto built? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. I think uh, it's, it's just a, it was just a, like a, laminated flip book or whatever that had all these yep, spiral bound yes spiral bound yep, yep, that's, that's a really good one and they make them for a lot of states too. it was really handy just the way it, it had a couple of pictures and then it would say you know at like 0.7 mile or whatever this point waypoint you're going to see an off camber section and if you don't want that then you know back up to this one there's a bypass so you, you kind of got a good breakdown of the trail before you went so and then the other thing I'll add on top of that is we're prepping for a, a trail run or whatever, YouTube. Going out there and seeing if you can find the YouTube videos of people that have gone down those trails and everything uh, just to try to try to see what you're going to be up against. So, John, uh, you've been out to Hidden Falls Adventure Park, the same place that we, we went last, uh, the Jeep Talk Show uh, off-road event, and the one we're going to be going to here on June the 4th uh, coming up in just a couple of months. And, Larry, you have been too. What do you what? How does uh, Hidden uh, Falls rate to to you guys, John? You go first. So that was where I first put my Jeep into four wheel drive. So it's kind of got a uh, you know let's call it a sentimental piece, but it's kind of that's where I started cut my teeth, so to speak, on it. So I like it. Um, the one thing I'm growing less fond of as the Jeep gets bigger are the tight creek beds that you're in. So you have a lot of, you know, tree branches and other things that hang out and tend to want to grab the body and stuff like that and do some damage. Um, so I, I do prefer a little bit more of an open area uh, to wheel in. But, you know, overall, it's still got such a great mix, right? It's got the rocks that you can climb on. It's got the forest road styles. It's got creek beds. It's got some views. I wouldn't compare it at all to Colorado or... No, or, no, no. It doesn't uh, have the altitude for all that. Right. But it's got... In that area, it's it's really nice. And then adjacently, you've got a decent sized town with Marble Falls. So if you need to, you can get into a decent town. And, and they've got a seafood uh, uh, restaurant right there in the middle of Texas. I don't know where where the seafood's coming from, but I'm not going to ask questions. It was pretty good. So, <laughs> so Larry, how about you? What did you think? Now I know you've been around uh, to some more uh, off road places than what we have. Uh, what did you think of Hidden Falls? So I, I thought I had a really good mix, like John was saying. There's some really mild tra trails in there, and there's a lot of uh, rocks and stuff you can crawl around on, which is what I really like to do when I get out. Uh, I will say it's kind of it kind of reminded me of uh, like Windrock. That was uh, ex with uh, a little less mud because obviously there was, wasn't a whole lot of mud out there in uh, Texas when we were there, which is fine with me. Yeah, but I think it's got I think it's got a lot of good trails to offer, a lot of good amenities. Having the 
Marble Falls right there is big in case you break down. You, know, you tear something up. You always you're always going to need parts. So that was a big plus. So uh, I thought it was a really nice park. I like it. I think we'll probably try uh, some more parks around Texas and maybe venture out of uh, Texas eventually. But uh, I, I'm I, I kind of like going to Hidden Falls because I'm starting to get to used uh, getting used to it and knowing the trails a little better. Uh, I mean, it's fun going to a new place, but uh, if you're running an event, sometimes it's good to know what you're doing. <laughs> we need to get out to Escondido Draw. I really want to do that out in West Texas. It's uh the who's the guy that has the YJ that's been on it, the one that does the Barnwell. He's been on the Zoom guy. Movie. He's the guy because he's guy. Well, no, I'm not talking about guy. I'm talking about the guy with the, no, the big guy. YJ. The the one he's down there in your neck of the woods, Tony. But he. Uh, He's the one that he's on the board or something, right? He helps set up an open barn well and, and all that. Right. Yeah, he was he was in the room right after we got back from that event. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, but he opened up a second one. It's just like Barnwell, but it's out in West Texas called Escondido Draw. And it's it's down pretty close to the border, but it's it's pretty serious rock trails, but it's got a lot of uh <laughs> the, the videos I've watched with the buggy lines and everything else they've got out there. They've, they've twisted some rock bouncers over and all kinds of stuff. So it's got some crazy stuff and some mild stuff. Yeah, I think when, when we interviewed or had uh, Clint on the show, I think he was actually talking about that uh, that new place they were opening up. And I don't think it had been open at the time. But yeah, that's uh, that's always a possibility too. You know, you were talking about desert stuff, and, and we're way off the mark now. But you're talking about desert stuff. I'd love to go to uh, do some wheeling in uh, Arizona. I think that would be a lot of fun. Seeing Sedona? So if you go, go to Sedona, Arizona. The Red Rocks? The Red Rocks. It's I've out done it there. I rented a uh, TJ when I was out there a couple times, twice, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. The areas you can get to. Be the local. I took a local out with me. Admit, she took me to Sedona to show me Sedona because it was this great place. She's been going there her whole life. And we found we could rent a Jeep. and I, So we got it, and they gave me the trails. I took her out there, and she's like, I've never seen it like this before. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a superpower when you have a vehicle they can go so many places, and you. And I think that's one of the coolest things about a Jeep, or really any capable four-wheel drive. It, it gets you to places where the majority of people never see, unless they're being driven out to the desert to be shot in the back of the head and buried. She was blown away. Yep. <laughs> no pun intended. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> so words there. Yeah, I'm hoping. I was hoping to get back out this year. We were supposed to go out with uh, Tammy last year to the. Uh, holding a rock trail but I, I couldn't make it the weekend that they picked well that was just wrong they should have uh changed their plans all right go ahead desert, i was gonna say just desert in general the reason why uh, what really got me liking a lot of that was watching and i talked it's kind of i talked about the youtube videos last time but um brad from trail recon who's done a lot of the arizona trails and a lot of the mojave yeah. desert run and mm -hmm. you know stuff like that the just the, the cool stuff he sees out there the just the desert seems to be getting cooler and cooler on there i mean not nothing against the mountain roads and stuff like that i still love those too but hey, it, it's a go anywhere vehicle so that you can go anywhere and uh, i i think it's a i just find it interesting to go different places and i kind of hate that i've had this problem with the xj for so many years uh running hot on the on the freeway because I haven't been able to get out to these look these places, and I mean a lot of years. And now I just kind of want to go with the Gladiator because I should be able to get uh, there and back without any issue. 
Uh, at least that's the way I feel about it. it. It runs great and it's it's lifted. It's got the 35s on it. It's it's ready to go. I mean, I, I got a couple more things that I probably want to do with uh, some sort of uh, air compressor and uh, a few odds and ends just so I can take care of myself if things happen out there. But for the most part, uh, it drives fine on the highway. It doesn't overheat. All right, let's move to another one. I, somebody asked about this on the Discord server, and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, the Discord server is a little uh, like a 24, 24 by 7 uh, group chat. Uh, several of the Zoom people call it a 24 by 7 Zoom meeting because it's 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 a lot the same thing, but instead of us talking through or using our voices, we do it through you know texting like the kids did years ago. Uh, it's just a, a chat server. And uh, you're more than welcome to join. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Scroll on down through there. You'll see a, a link that is uh, the invite for our Discord server. And just join us in the uh, general channel and uh, let us know you're there and uh, that you listen to the show. So anyway, uh, I think this came in on the, uh, the Discord server on the general channel. Uh, what kind of oil do you use in your Jeep? Oh, yeah. Whatever, whatever uh, Mopar put in it from factory, I just put yep. it stuff back in and you're, and you're this with, is, and what's your jeep uh john oh sorry it's a uh 2017 jku with the 3.6 okay go ahead chris yeah um i was gonna say exactly oem i use now i'm over hundred thousand miles on my jk and i use a full synthetic and i believe that's just for a peace of mind or i, I i've always changed it myself but uh I, I don't subscribe to the idea that uh royal purple or blue purple or whatever the name might be is is better than anything else if it has the api i believe it's api uh, something petroleum institute uh stamp on it it's it's good to go i i do know uh just from talking to guys who do uh done some race motors you don't want to put that full synthetic in a race motor to break it in so with that logic I, I'm, I'm not completely sold on the full synthetic um so just just the oem straight oil off the shelf i got a 19 jl and i'm using that ow20 which is the oem stuff well they went to zero weight on the 3.6 yep. on the jl 020. zero oh, yeah. 020. which is which is synthetic i i it's full got, yeah. i got the 2020 grand cherokee and and uh my wife asked me since we're going to need a fancy oil for it i said oh no 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 not because we had some a gm that uses the full synthetic and zero weight 20 is only available in full synthetic by the way right yeah that's thin super thin and one, one place i can find it is, right now is the mobile one costco larry costco costco i get i'll get all my oil at costco i have to i do run a 5w30 in my jk because they don't have 5w20 but they have zero weight okay. 20 for i want to say it's 29 or 25 dollars for two five quart uh bottles what I like about Quadr, where I buy mine is Quadratech because they actually sell just like called the oil change kit. Comes with the filter and the Mopar five W twenty quarts, and so whenever it gets close to oil change season, just go in, pop it in, and and order it. Which I have to go by months, not miles. Hmm. I, think I, change, I think I change mine about every twenty hundred miles. What it normally works out to be twenty five hundred, something like that. Oh, that's, but that's, that's not bad that's, at all. About seven months, six, yeah. seven months. So, so I know I've got. About the rest uh, of fluids. <laughs> I know I've got some uh, TJ owners in here with four point oh's, Andrew and uh, Bob, and uh, I bet you uh, that George in his ninety nine XJ is also a four point oh. 
Uh, it's new to him, so he probably doesn't uh, hadn't made an oil choice yet. But Andrew, uh, Bob, what do you guys use for uh, oil in those 4.0s? This is Andrew from West Texas, and uh, I use Castle GTX, the uh, the ten weight thirty uh, conventional oil in my uh, four liter. <laughs> I noticed that when you go full synthetic, the rear main seal leaks a lot more than if you use a conventional oil. And I also add a zinc additive um, every oil change. Yeah, that's important uh, for the flat tappets in the 4.0. And, and George, you need to know that, that it, a lot of the oils don't come with zinc anymore. Although I think that, uh, I'm, and I'm brain farting on who it is, I'd have to go and, go and look at it. But I get the high mileage uh, version of it, and that generally means, uh, or it can mean, that they have a zinc additive mixed in with it. But you got to do a little a little research on that. You either have to add the zinc or get an oil that has zinc in it. And uh, that's uh, an important thing for the wear uh, on those uh, 4.0s. So, uh, Bob, if, you, if you're still there, do you add zinc to yours or are you running oil with zinc? Yeah, I figured Bob was going to jump Bob's, in there. Bob said he'd be right back. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I that's think, uh, that's what I, I run on Andrew, the extra. Andrew posted a link to that zinc additive in the in the chat right there. Good, good. That'll be uh, great for the podcast listeners. <laughs> this is uh, Luton Lenny from yeah, great for the podcast. Yeah, from Ohio. Um, I I just normally use uh, Valvoline Max Life. I've got about one hundred and sixty thousand miles on my two thousand twelve yeah. JK, and I think as long as you just keep changing it and don't let it sit in there, then the three point six will do okay. I what certainly hope so. What are you using an eighty nine YJ? We haven't heard that yet. Hey, NYJ, I've got the 10W30 high mileage. I do run that. Um, and I like mud. Sorry. Yeah. That was on the previous question. I do like mud. <laughs> mud, uh, but yeah, mud is fun. The cleanup isn't. Uh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. The cleanup's terrible, but it's just it, that, uh, like John said, you know, that's what he grew up on or what he first started with. And that was me. It was, you know, first thing I ever got into was mud. And I just, I still to this day love it. I hate cleaning up, but it's a process. You go out there. You just, you just leave it on there like war paint. <laughs> yeah, which which has happened before. But mm -hmm. 10W30, I've been running that with the high mileage. Um, you know, my new engine already has a little over 100. Uh, it's 180,000. I've got pushing 400 on the, you know, my... I was about to say thermometer, <laughs> right at 400 on my uh, odometer. Um, but the new engine, there's only got like 100 of that. So I just keep running the high mileage, even though that's not yeah, 100,000 100, is high mileage. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, it runs I, good. like I said, it usually means there's zinc in it, and, uh, and, and you want that yeah. for, those, uh, for those motors. So I'm going to tell there you guys, I'm going to tell you guys a story about my 98 uh, Cherokee, and it's not overheating. Um, so there was, this, there was this one intersection that if I, and I loved to taking the, just making uh, right angle turns with the, the Cherokee going fast because it was just fun. It didn't, it held the road very well. And, uh, it just, I found it funny because it, you know, it was a four wheel drive. Uh, but anyway, there was this one intersection that I would use, uh, to get home on. And in the middle of the summer heat, um, the oil viscosity would get so low that if I made a sharp, fast left-hand turn, my oil pressure would drop down uh, below five pound, uh, five psi, 
but only if it was really hot outside. And it made me nervous because I've I've blown engines before, not a 4.0. I didn't know I didn't this, and this is back when the the Jeep was brand new. So <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I checked on it, and you see a lot of this in the forums or used to, where people would talk about their uh, oil pressure when they were sitting at an idle uh, during the summertime with the engine at temperature. They may see it at five psi. Sometimes the the warning comes on if you got a 97 plus uh, and full gauges. And uh, it's it's like, yeah, yeah, it does that. Don't worry about it. And then they'll complain sometimes about it being up to 50 PSI right after you start accelerating. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's how, that's how it works. Anyway, because of that, I didn't want to risk it. So I switched to Pennzoil Straight 30. I was running the Pennzoil Straight 30 in that engine, I guess around 99, 2000, and ran it for a really long time. And when we tore that engine down, my buddy told me, he has never seen an engine so clean. He goes, he asked me what oil I ran in it, and I told him, and he couldn't believe it. For number one, it was Penn's oil, which he didn't have a, a high opinion of, and and straight thirty. I mean, it's like like what you put in a lawnmower. Uh, to- Can you guys hear you. me now? Say again. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. All right. I couldn't get it zoomed to unmute earlier, so no uh, problem. We got you. Uh I run high mileage in the TJ, uh, usually a conventional. This time it got synthetic just because I didn't have any conventional on the shelves in the garage. So, And I was expecting to see much worse because I've got that constant little weep of oil. Mm-hmm. And it's no worse with the synthetic than it was with the conventional. So but I was a little surprised maybe- by that. I've heard something, Bob, that may be an old wives' tale, but what you said there was interesting. But uh, the once you go synthetic, you can't go back to conventional or whatever. You'll develop leaks. I don't know. That's I. I don't know if that's true or not. But it's something I used to hear back in the day when they said, "Well, be careful if you switch to synthetic, because then you have to use it from then on out." And the guy at the oil change shop or the dealership is going to tell you that every time. <laughs> I have gone from synthetic to blend to blend to conventional back and forth and never had an issue. I've mixed like this case, this case right here. It's just because I got big storage warehouse racking in my garage and I walked over thinking I had a jug of oil for the Jeep and I didn't. So I just grabbed whatever I had uh, 5W30 and it happened to be full synthetic high mileage. So I just threw it in. Um, and Tony on the Pennzoil thing, uh, having helped tear down some engines when I was younger, we would have gotten banned from the garage and the farm <laughs> if we had brought a quart of Pennzoil onto the farm. Yep, yep. <laughs> I have torn engines down and literally could take a putty knife, and they're not abused engines or anything, mm-hmm. and scrape it apart. I have a buddy whose dad is a trucker and a mechanic, and he'll pull an engine open and go, they run Pennzoil. Look at this crap. It'll have a crown of gunk in it. So I, I'm telling you, my, my buddy was surprised when I told him what was in there. I said, yeah, I've been running it because uh, with, a, with a straight 30, I keep it at 30. Uh, well, it's not always at 30. The viscosity is still going to change, but it's not designed to go down to 10 or 5 or whatever it is. So I wanted to keep that viscosity up uh, whenever, so I wouldn't get down below 5 PSI. It was fine, I know, but it still bothered me, and I took care of it. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, the uh, what are your thoughts 
on the recent popularity, and I don't know if this is recent or not, uh, the recent popularity of aluminum tie rod and drag link kits. Sounds not scary good, to me. Not a good thing. So, I, 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 go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, I understand they're doing it for weight savings. It's all about weight savings, and, and there are parts that can be made of aluminum and, and be just as strong or theoretically stronger, but uh, I think we've all seen the, the pictures of the Broncos looking pigeon-toed and tires going two different directions, and I, I don't know that the Bronco is aluminum, but uh, just not not a fan of it at all, especially understanding it's being done for weight savings for fuel economy. It's the wrong, the wrong place to save weight, in my opinion. Yeah, I was disappointed to find out that the knuckles on the, uh, the, the JTs and the JLs are aluminum. So on the on the aftermarket versions of the tire the tie rod and the drag weight that are aluminum, um, you know the show the YouTube channel JK Gear and Gadgets or whatever, right? Um, right. Had a pretty sharp dude and everything. He runs the beefed up aluminum ones on his, and um, he kind of went through an explanation on this as far as some metal memory. I guess he said that one of the big things about the aluminum one is for when you bang it on rocks and everything else it's the ability for it to come back and and kind of and get in the shape it is where on the the steel ones tend to to crimp and 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 bend up give you a little bit more damage so he was explaining not so much for weight savings for fuel economy but he had it for for reasons of of taking trail hits was right. was his reason so he went into a big one there's not a lot on there but i've seen you know not just him but several of the uh the the big like i know what light right went to it there were several other ones that that switched over to it um and we're not talking about small ones we're talking about really big huge, heavy, heavy duty tools. stuff a specialized uh specialized aluminum too not your just uh standard aluminum tubing so it's it's not yeah that stuff is uh, is really strong and i and i think this is right that uh steel will bend which means you can kind of bend it back or you can drive on it the way it is uh aluminum is not going to bend it's going to break it's going to shatter, and right. so, but it, but it, like you say, it can it can flex more and go back. So I guess it kind of like be like uh, chrome molly axles that it, at that point you can twist it and it goes back to its original sh shape. So what do you want? Something that gives and goes back to the way it is, or if you push it too hard and break it, then you're just kind of stuck. I guess if you save the the uh, the the one that's made out of uh, metal, then you could just or iron, you could just use that one. It really depends on what grade of aluminum you're running too, because aluminum will flex and and distort more and and, and take a little bit more of abuse than than some of your thinner wall mollies and any of those. Oh, interesting. It, it just depends on how thick the wall section is and uh, how hard you hit it and what grade of aluminum it is. Because like a sixty sixty one aluminum is a lot harder. Our 7075 is much harder and stiffer, a little more brittle than if you went with uh, some of the other softer grades of aluminum. And yes. It's the same, you know, similar similar thing on some of your steels, depending on what you get. You know, it'll it'll go up to a point, and when it finally when it finally bends, it's bent for good. <laughs> I think it was uh, the Barnes kit is the one that I was talking about. I found the video. I'll put it in Discord. Oh, good. And again, if you guys want to be part of the Zoom meeting or maybe you don't want to get in here and, and talk, you don't have to talk. We've got several members uh, here tonight that uh, that haven't jumped in or I guess one or two. Bill, uh, a Bill A. Texas hadn't been been in yet, but uh, you don't have to talk. You can just be here. And if you find something you want to talk about, you can. 
And you can follow along in the Discord channel because we're always posting stuff up in there, links to things, pictures, sometimes naughty. Uh, shame on you, John. Uh, <laughs> so again, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and you'll find out how to sign up for the newsletter so you'll know about how to join the Zoom meeting and you'll see the invite to the Discord channel. The Discord channel is a lot of fun. You guys correct me on this if that's wrong. It's posting the Beaver costumes in there. <laughs> that, that, that's my all-time favorite that that's that's awesome somebody needs to show up with one of those at the next deep talk show event <laughs> holding a bag of beaver nuggets right absolutely oh you know what that's the little uh, that i saw that thing in the middle of the uh, the beaver outfit uh where it had that white thing i thought that was a texas belt buckle that's just his uh, his soft underbelly isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Bucky's is what we're referring to, if you guys don't know. And uh, they're starting to spread out, but they uh, they started in Texas. So we kind of uh, recognize them as a, a very strange Texas uh, company. By the way, I heard that the guy that started Bucky's, his last name is Beaver. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you posted that in Discord, didn't you, Tony? Uh, maybe that's where I read it. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it does now. Yeah, I think, I think I saw that on... Um Instagram. Somebody posted that up there. <laughs> All right. So aluminum. What do you guys think about aluminum? You know, I was think I was kind of poo pooing the aluminum thing, but uh, I know that aluminum uh, tie rods are pretty nice, especially because you know they take a uh, can take a lot of abuse from rocks and stuff. And I guess if I am I, I'm okay with a tie rod uh, being made out of that uh, sixty sixty one or whatever it was that you were talking about, Larry. I should be okay with it uh, for a drag link and uh, the other parts that uh, could take a hit and, uh, uh, you know, take a hit, keep going. So, so just, I got the answer there, Larry, to answer. So it says 7075 aluminum is what they run on the, the Barnes kits. Yeah. Uh-oh. What's, what's, what's the, uh, it what's is the not, that one? not Larry approved, John. <laughs> that's well, what I'm asking, that's a- right? That's a very hard, the 7075 has got a lot more zinc in it, so it's a lot more rigid, and uh, it, it would be very strong. That's why it's so thick, right? It's not very soft, which I, I, I mean, I give Barnes a credit in that they must have done a lot of testing to prove that the 7075 is a good grade for that, right? Testing that I haven't done that I'm sure that they have, but I don't know that that's, you know. I'll give them the credit that they must have put into it. Just interesting because I, I mean, I was one of those that uh, believed that the only place for aluminum is uh, up higher on the Jeep, right? So body parts or, you know, other areas that are not mechanical, kind of like Chris. I'm like, I'm more of a give me the steel and all the all those parts or whatever. But this one was kind of caught my eye just because, you know, is not necessarily for the weight savings only, but. If it is as strong and everything else that they're they're saying, it sounds good. And it's well, the knuckles, like Tony said, the knuckles, knuckles, and then JLs and JTs are all aluminum now. And you know, look at your engine; it's a sleeve aluminum block. And I mean, there's more aluminum in the in the new ones. And replace the look, you find a new spot. Yeah, you just gotta look for the bubbled up paint, right? Well, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> <laughs> I know the aluminum uh, steering box didn't work out too well for him, though. No. All right, I know the- Bill really likes it. <laughs> I got rid of mine. <laughs> that, that was the recall, wasn't it, Bill? 
the TSB. Oh, like, so not, e- not, e- not even a recall. Wow. Yeah. No. You had to go fight for it. I had to go fight for it. So. Yeah, I had to fight for mine. Did they put the older JK Steel one, or did they come up with a, a newer version? They have, no, they have a new newer JL Steel version that they started, I think, putting in the maybe the 2019 model, maybe 2020. I so was late nineteen. I had to get mine replaced. That means Tony's Gladiator probably has the steel one in it from the factory. I hope so. You guys are scaring I mean, you me. Look, you could go up there and look at it. So the the steel one's black. So if you go look up there and it's shiny aluminum, well, keep an eye on it. Yeah. So I just did a search for aluminum tie rod, and I'm seeing a bunch of different ones. I don't think these are all uh, the barns, and and they're all saying 70, 70 75 center section. With limited lifetime warranty, maybe that's why it's limited lifetime. But tie rods are, uh, you know, rock magnets. If you're on the trails, or whatever. So I would imagine it'd be tough to get a lifetime warranty on any of those. Well, maybe that. Maybe that's why they're aluminum, John, so they can't be magnetic. <laughs> <laughs> Chris has got jokes. I didn't say they were good. I just I have some. <laughs> yeah, John didn't say they were good either. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I'm not sold on it, right? I mean, and there's and it's interesting because we've talked a few things on Discord that have uh, kind of talked me out of some things. This was this was a question that I put up there simply because I was interested when I saw them come out. I I currently run the Metal Cloak heavy duty tie rod and and drag link, and you know haven't had any issues with it, but I've, I've been concerned with the amount of steel I've been putting on it recently. And how heavy it's getting. So obviously, weight was one of the things I was looking at. Oh, uh, just on. throw a blower or a turbocharger on there. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Hemi swap. There we go. But oh, it is interesting. Yeah, it is. It's always fun. It's always fun to see what other people do and and find out. And of course, that's one of the great things about uh, this show. Uh, the Zoom meeting and uh, also to the Discord thing because we get to share our ideas and sometimes we get to share our misfortunes and it saves everybody else the headache that uh, that, that uh, listener went through. All right, anybody, anybody, run, anybody got well, anything was, they wanted to throw in there uh, for the last uh, couple of minutes of the show? I was going to just add a follow-on about beyond the steering stuff. Is there, I don't know, Larry, you were looking at some aluminum skid plate options and stuff like that, but is anybody running? Any uh, aluminum parts anywhere specifically underneath whatever that you have been happy with? I looked at the aluminum bumper, the stubby bumper from Genrite. I thought that was a really neat thing, but it uh, it uh, it was the winch was going to sit up too high in front of the the radiator, and I did not want to have any cooling issues with this Gladiator. <laughs> it was a it was a cool looking bumper, and I, I like the idea of the, of the aluminum. And something you got to keep in mind that whenever you're adding weight out at the the front of the vehicle like that, and then adding a heavy winch on there, you're you're going to start uh, bogging down the front of uh, of the, of your Jeep. So an aluminum uh, bumper, I didn't I didn't look at the the weight, but you got got to think that it's going to be allow that front end to sit up a little higher. Uh, if it's made of aluminum instead of uh, all steel. But ultimately, I went with a Motobuilt uh, Crusader all steel, and, and I'm glad I did. Sharp bumper. Yeah, it looked good. Oh, and since it's a stubby, it has less metal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Makes still sense. Heavier, still heavier than the stock one. Hey, Larry, oh, you're, yeah. running, you're running aluminum skids, right? That's where you put your Jeep Talk Show yeah. sticker on your aluminum skid. Yeah. How dare yeah, you. Yeah, the engine and- the engine and train, you, most skids are aluminum. 
Which one? So what this, one would you go with that? I'm assuming not. Those seven. are the Quadratex oh. setup. So what, what it, it, do you know what it is? Is it 60, whatever you called it? Whatever, but yeah, I, I don't know what grade it is. I know it slipped along the rocks pretty well. When we were down there in Texas. It's got, it's got a few scratches on it here and there, but you know, they've held up pretty good so far. Did you find they were more expensive than uh, uh, ones made out of uh, uh, steel? No, not really. Uh, I think they were fairly reasonably priced. The, the big thing I was trying to keep down on is, is the weight. You know, a couple hundred pounds here, a couple hundred pounds there. Because it, when you put those on, you you get new steel uh, cross members that, that support everything. So there's a fair amount of weight there and just all that so you've got to you got to try to keep the weight down a little bit otherwise it's really going to make for a miserable wheelie experience you know you start getting too heavy get it too heavy the dog has to stay home and, then, and nobody likes that yeah <laughs> suddenly you're on dana's 60s and just to try to accommodate all the weight you've added what's well, like the uh you, you brought up the price tony the I've noticed that if you go to Genride or you go to Metal Club or any of them and you look at their aluminum fenders versus the steel, the aluminum ones are quite a bit more expensive. Well, they're, oh, they're, yeah. they're tougher to weld, aren't they? Absolutely. Oh, and uh, I, this might be a silly question, but can you put uh, aluminum in a press brake and, and have it bend like you would steel and, and not crack on you? Some gray gist. Because I would think that would be make it more difficult because it would mean that you have to do a lot more welding. And if you want it to look nice, you got to do some grinding too. No, you can bend it up just like steel. You just got to get the right grade. You bend it up and do what you have to do to it. Okay. If that's what you're set up, if, if that's what you're set up to do, you make quick, pretty quick work of it. It's not seventy seventy five apparently. No. <laughs> it doesn't bend very well because of all the zinc. Interesting, interesting. Well, I'm glad you were here to set us straight on the the seventy seventy five. What was the other sixty sixty one? Is that right? Sixty sixty one is a is a is a little. It's not as good as seventy seventy five. It'll bend a little bit more. If you want something that'll bend more, like a fifty fifty three, it'll bend for plates. But you know, when you're sliding over things, you want something a little little hard, just so you don't gouge it. So, right. What what do you think? What what, what uh, aluminum would you think is good for skid plates? If somebody was looking for skid plates, I guess you can just look and see what most everybody uses. But I would say probably the sixty sixty one because you can bend it in spots. Okay, and then all those uh, the ones that I had, they bent them. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't mind having aluminum skid plates. I think that would be fine uh, as long as they protect the underneath of the of the jeep. I mean, if they get damaged, that's kind of what they're there for. Well, I see a lot of now they're actually mounting the uh, UH&W to the underside of those aluminum skids. So you're actually sliding on that plastic more than anything else. And that UH&W is a pretty tough stuff. Interesting. That's what it gives you a little lubricity. Right. It gives you a little lubricity. When you're up trying to go over a rock or an obstacle, that will actually help you get that vehicle up over and it's not stuck as hard. Is it a plastic? Yeah. Yeah, it's an extruded material, and it's it's very tough. Oh, God, don't tell Chuck that. I know. That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> Another plastic Jeep. <laughs> 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 
And for those of us who have plastic teeth, that's just another piece of plastic. Exactly. Right? <laughs> just easy getting, to, just getting down the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your uh, that's your wheelhouse anyway, isn't it, Larry? Yeah, yeah, metals. That's been my whole career for the most part. Well, that's another episode of the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable. Hope that you enjoyed it. And uh, we uh, we have this every week. Every Tuesday, 8 p.m. is when we record. And, of course, it's released on Wednesday, the, the very next day. So uh, you got time to join. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com uh, slash contact. Sign up for that newsletter so you can get, get the link and uh, join our Discord uh, server. And, you know, you can ask the folks in the Discord server for the link to the Zoom meeting. You don't have to get the newsletter if you don't want to. You can just do that or uh, send us a uh, send us an email, a voicemail, uh, same place, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and uh, we'll be happy to send you the link to get in the Zoom meeting. It's We're not trying to get you to sign up to the newsletter. That's just an easy way for you to get notified each week, a reminder uh, of, uh, of the Zoom meeting. And, oh, and we have another Zoom meeting on a Thursday night when we record uh, the uh, uh, Monday-Friday uh, episodes. And uh, we, uh, for the, uh, the the Friday episode, we have our campfireside chat segment, which is kind of like the roundtable, just a lot shorter version where we ask one question and pass it around the uh, the, the the Zoom meeting and find out uh, what uh, your thoughts and feelings were uh, or are about it. So uh, please uh, think about joining us on the Zoom room. We'd love to have you. Uh, it's just fun uh, reaching out and uh, talking to the uh, listener, and uh, we we really enjoy it. And I think you'd enjoy it too. So until next week, uh, just uh, hang in there, be a good jeeper, and, uh, well, you know, clean up the trail. If you go out there, leave it uh, cleaner than, uh, than you found it. Have a great, great week. Podcasting since 2010.